Good evening, again. We'll be looking in John 11, again. This will be my fourth sermon on the, the last miracle in the Gospel of John that he recorded by our Lord Jesus before he died on the cross, um, of the raising of Lazarus to life. And I've called tonight um, message, Victory of Life Over Death, um, and looking at it especially spiritually is um, in that beautiful picture of being raised again to new life in Christ. And so we've been looking, this will be the fourth sermon on this miracle, which it covered the whole of chapter 11. And um, it does. And even into the next chapter, people are still talking about it. And we'll look a little bit tonight in 12, not much, but in the overflow of that, because it was a great miracle that showed the true greatness of God's power and being able to raise the dead to life and that Jesus is the resurrection, as he said. And um, so when we consider that, maybe like it's taken four days for Jesus to get back because we realise Lazarus was buried that morning of the day that... um, that he heard from the messenger there in in verse 3 there of chapter 11 that Lazarus was sick but and even Martha said you know that statement when stopping the Lord Jesus from removing the stone from the the tomb he stinketh um he's been dead four days already there in 39 and and so Four days, um, and I've, this is my fourth sermon, so maybe it's a sermon for each day. I, I don't know, but what we looked at in the beginning was Jesus has been most interested, as he is interested in our faith. He is the author and finisher of faith, and he was wanting to increase the faith of the disciples in saying, look, we're going to go back to Bethany, which was right next to Jerusalem, and that wasn't a good spot to go back to as they'd already been threatened, the Lord Jesus himself, with stoning to death. And they were very concerned about that. But they went with him, even with very little faith. They still, they were loyal there. And then after that, we looked at um, the, that was the preparation for transformation. And then the faith of the Lord wanted to work on Mary and Martha in that opportunity when he arrived. And the... Um, the explanation for transformation, I called that second sermon, because he explained, I am the resurrection and the life, I am, to them. When they had that Old Testament understanding, that Old Testament scripture, um, realising that that was going to be some further no, uh, yet he said in verse 25, he that believeth in me, though he were dead, because Lazarus was dead, yet shall he live. He was giving her that great hope and, 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 and it's great hope to us today still. He is the resurrection and the life and we believe in him and we know that we shall never die either in him. The body might but um, our spirit won't and maybe the body might not if we are in the rapture. If that, that will be glorious too. And we believe this. Believest thou this? And then I just threw another one in there because there was a bit more because... Martha was needing a bit more encouragement and uh, reminding, remindering like we all do, remembering. Um, and so the examination of our faith right down there to verse 40 and just 
the start of 41, they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid and they had enough faith to obey Jesus in removing that for him. And so the victory of life over death, this is the transformation now. Let's pray as we are. Firstly, no, let me read. It's only a few verses, 41. I'll read 41 to 46. That'll be our text tonight. And then I'll pray. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. And I knew that thou hearest me always, but because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. And when he had thus spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound with a napkin. Jesus saith unto them, Loose him and let him go. Then many of the Jews which came to Mary and had seen the things which Jesus did believed on him. But some of them went their way to the Pharisees and told them what things Jesus had done. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word of truth. It is the living word and we pray that it becomes more alive in our heart tonight as we see your power, your glory again, Lord. And we thank you for the comfort it brings, the encouragement, the Lord, the the hope, Lord, that, and, and the strength that we can trust in you and cast all our cares upon you. And as we wait on you and your resurrection in our lives, Lord, and uh, as we know that we are already in Christ, seated already in the heavenlies, Lord, and, and, and we thank you for our salvation through the blood as we sung tonight that cleanses us from all sin, the power over sin and over death, Lord, which was won at the cross, Lord, we thank you. And uh, Lord, we pray you'll help us to see the Lord Jesus as we will be looking at his words. Thank you for John, the writer that put this in this book for us, Lord, and and his um, view, Lord, as he was looking and writing to the world, Lord, that we all may see Jesus and believe, Lord, we pray. And so we thank you and ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, number first, our first point, which is in the outline, Jesus prays for us. And as we read there in verse 41, at the end there, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. Any victory of overcoming the sin of the world, the flesh, and the onslaught of the temptations of the devil involves talking that is praying to the Father for his help. And what a great example. This is how he receives the glory. And just, we're going to go to 12 a little bit, which is the next chapter. And I'm just read verse 28. Father, glorify thy name. Then came there a voice from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. And, uh, and I, that glorified it through this great miracle. He was glorified as that was witnessed. And he will glorify in his, the resurrection of Christ, in the glory of that victory. And 
Our praying from all stages of our spiritual life, even before we have a spiritual life, when we're dead spiritually, one, wanting to overcome the penalty of sin in salvation, we pray to God in repentance and faith. Two, we pray when we are saved willingly to overcome the temptation of the enemy to sin in sanctification, in our growing, putting off the old and putting on the new. And three, as we wait unashamedly for the Saviour in glorification, as we strive to that end in being ready and watching. The hymn goes, don't drop your anchor, we're almost home. And so Romans 8.34, who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us when we pray to the Father through the Son. What a privilege as we think how much more easier it is, this side of the cross, to come before the throne of grace. And we know the work from the Old Testament that was involved in preparation. And even once a year, only the high priest could come in all the sacrifices and all the ceremony once a year to offer the sins for the people there and come before the mercy seat. So we have great confidence we can have in God's Son as we can come now to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus because we know that the will of the Father and the Son are one and that's great confidence. There in 41b, and John the writer, he, he notes that the Lord Jesus lifted up his eyes, a, a very physical, visual expression in looking to the Father and then praying. And what we realise, there were many unsaved people who were witnessing this great miracle unfold through the faith of the disciples and more so, as we read there, through Mary and Martha as many friends and acquaintances of the family were, had come to comfort them in their grief in the death of Lazarus and they were with them and drawn by the Lord Jesus and in their recent loss. And these many people or spectators find themselves back at the grave now and they had already buried Lazarus four days ago and had been grieving with Martha and Mary and also having the cruel reminder in that burial and that grief of the reality and certainty of death. And so the Lord has a purpose in bringing him back to the grave as they, as I mentioned in the last message, will face the grave one day themselves. It is here that Christ, the Son of God, prays to the Father loud enough as we firstly, by giving thanks, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. And when we looked at the miracle in chapter 6, verse 11, of the feeding of the 5,000, we see also there the Lord Jesus took the loaves and when he had given thanks, this is before the miracle, he's about to perform it, um, he gave thanks and he distributed to the disciples and the disciples to them and that was set down and likewise the fishes as much as they would and he 
We have such, again, as I mentioned, the model of, of the Lord's Prayer in giving thank and starting his prayers in this way. And we know from the scriptures we are reminded in everything to give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. Remember who intercedes for us to the Father? The Son of God thanked the Father for already hearing his prayer here at the end of verse 41. Triumphant before the victory? Through Christ, we can learn and develop this same confidence of trust in our prayers. And while we wait, we will rejoice evermore, will we not? And keep praying without ceasing. John Ridley, an Australian evangelist, quoted, Passion and power are frequent products of a solitary place, that time spent in prayer with God. Prayer is our victory for God's glory, even if it is the other side of the grave for us. Maybe many of those answered prayers will be answered after we're gone. There is a question, when had Jesus prayed this in what he is giving thanks for? It's not recorded. As we go back to verse 4, maybe it was some time between receiving the message when his sisters had sent the messenger unto him in verse 3, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. And then the Lord said that this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. And then he said he was going to stay another two days so the glory um, could be seen in what he was going to do. And... This is the relationship the son had with the father through constant communication through private prayer. And as we think of that, the time Jesus would have spent in prayer those two days before he went back to Bethany, Mark 1.35 gives us a good idea. And in the morning, rising up a great while before day, he went out, that's the Lord Jesus, and departed into a solitary place and there prayed to the Father. Spent that time early before the busyness of the ministry of the day and the distractions. The Lord Jesus knew God the Father would hear and answer his request because he knew the Father's will and always obeyed it. That is why the will of the Father is that men and women believe and obey the Son. John 12, 26. If any man serve me, let him follow me, and where I am, there shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, him will my father honour. All right, verse 42 there in chapter 11. And I knew that thou hearest me always, because, but because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. That they, and we can picture, is, picture this as also being the, the world around us, those who stand by and look upon us in our witness and actions and reactions each day. And that we pray that they might know the Son of God that was sent, that we know and, and believe. And Psalm 73, I'm just going to read this, verse 28. But it is, the psalmist David says, But it is good for me to draw near to God. 
I have put my trust in the Lord God that I may declare all thy works. Our prayers of faith can declare the works of God as they are answered. And even publicly, publicly through our missionaries as we pray for them, as they are working on the field, our local church ministries as we do pray for them and our own personal witness. And that um, takes a lot more boldness and faith and, and confidence that the Lord will do what he says he will do if we are doing it in his will and praying according to his will. That is, putting my trust in the Lord God, as David declared here in the psalm. And the only way to know what pleases God, to know his will, is what his desires are, as we read there at the start of 28 of that psalm, is by drawing near to God like the Lord Jesus did in that solitary places of devotion and prayer. And the Lord Jesus, this public prayer was a time to demonstrate and challenge people who he said he was. It was an opportunity to demonstrate the power and effectiveness of prayer to unbelievers. And I want to share an illustration of someone we know of well. It is George Mueller and, um, and his powerful prayer life. George Mueller was known for his powerful prayer life. Once while on his way to speak in Quebec for an engagement, he informed the captain that he needed to be in Quebec by Saturday afternoon. As the captain related the story, this is him giving testimony, he said, It is impossible, I said. Do you know how dense this fog is? No, he replied. My eye is not on the density of the fog, but on the living God who controls every circumstance of life. I have never broken an engagement in 57 years. Let us go down to the chart room and pray. He knelt and prayed one of the simplest prayers. When he had finished, I was going to pray, the captain said. But he put his hand on my shoulder, that's George Mueller, put his hand on the shoulder of the captain and told me not to pray. As you do not believe, he will answer. There is no need for you to pray about it. Get up, captain, and open the door, and you will find the fog has gone. The fog indeed was gone, and George Mueller kept his engagement. And that was out of a book by Jeff Strite in The Power of Persistent Prayer. Persistent prayer. Praying without ceasing, as George Mueller, as I've read, and you've probably read, he did that in no matter how small the problem was or insignificant we might think that we do every day in our daily routine and duties and that was wonderful um, in that wonderful relationship he had with the Lord Jesus Jesus prays for us and and uh, and here we have testimony of our salvation coming to the Lord and and his will being done through this church and through uh, the gospel. And so 
Let's look at the second point as we look at Jesus calls us now, which is his next thing in verse 43. And when he had thus spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. This loud voice, this cried with a loud voice, it all means a great force of mighty magnitude. That's why when you might have noticed when I was reading it, I tried to read it a bit louder. But it was, would have been more mightier than that. A, sh- a shout of tremendous magnificence of divine authority. The name of the dead body that was chosen to be raised that day in the grave. It had been said uh, that this was a shout of might to awaken the dead. That if the Lord Jesus had not named Lazarus, he would have emptied the whole cemetery and... Uh, one day, all the graves, we realise, will be opened. And God is a God of order. He has order in that, and we understand from the scriptures. And when Christ, the first fruits, arose from the dead, and then in Matthew 27, 52... 52, it talks about the saints from the Old Testament, their graves were opened. Their souls went from paradise. Paradise is empty now. And they are in heaven. And some even walked, as we read a little testimony there, in Jerusalem, uh, just for a little bit there. But one, and then secondly, the believers' graves of the New Testament will be opened at the rapture. And then thirdly, And sadly, non-believers' graves from the Old Testament and the New Testament, they won't be open till about 1,007 years after the rapture, which is about a bit after the millennium, the Great White Throne Judgment. And uh, in Revelation chapter 20, verse 13. And so there is a gospel call to salvation, to be born again. And that is our work of faith in Christ and believing. There is a ministry call, as we're looking at Jesus calls us, to serve God, to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And that should be our labour of love for him. And then thirdly, there is a call to heaven. The raptures are just very... uh, This is our patience of hope as we wait and we be serving as we sung tonight and we be wanting to be found faithful and as we comfort one another in this faith. And this is imminent and it can happen at any moment. That's what is a great expectation we have. As they were waiting expectantly in what the Lord was going to do with Lazarus and uh, seeing that, there are other callings to the saved believers we know in Scripture and they come under number two as God calls us to be husbands and wives and, and, and godly parents and, and leaders in that way. And, but the, and there's others. And, but the unsaved, it seems, only have two, to a call to the respond to the gospel in believing And if they reject that truth, there's going to be, as I just mentioned, a calling to the great white throne judgment and then the lake of fire. Verse 44, where we see Lazarus is raised from the dead. 
and the miracle, the great miracle of our Lord Jesus. And he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his faith was bound with a napkin. Jesus saith unto them, Loose him and let him go. What a good illustration of what happens to a sinner who trusts the Saviour and believes. And this is the victory of life over death. This is our eternal life when we believe. Ephesians 2, where else? We know that one. That's such a beautiful illustration of explaining this. Verse 1, And you hath he quickened, that is, made alive when we believed by faith, who were dead in trespasses and sin. And then verse 5, it talks about, Even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace are ye saved. And, and we were dead in sins. That's, we were totally separated spiritually from God. In darkness, in blindness, we were a child of disobedience. We were condemned already to the judgment of hell as a condemned guilty sinner. But praise the Lord, in verse 6, when we believed, he hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, lifted us up as he um, to sit together in heavenly places. And if we are to learn to live the principles of the kingdom of God here on earth as if we were in heaven already in those heavenly places. We must yield and submit to his way, his strength and his power. We cannot, and this just carrying on like just with the importance of fellowship and we, and as was, has been mentioned from this pulpit, it is a great concern and we pray for it too on Wednesday night. It, we cannot just be learnt on a Sunday morning service um, these principles well enough and to meditate on them enough and be challenged by them enough. Jesus calls us when he says not to forsake the gathering of ourselves together as the manner of some is... Um, because he requires us to be constantly reminded, especially more so in these days when it talks about a falling away before the Lord comes, because there is such a lack of interest, uh, disinterest. And it, it is a sacrifice of time, but it comes under the banner of redeeming the time for the Lord and uh, that which is profitable for eternity. And so... Jesus prays for us, Jesus calls us, and Jesus changes us. As we see, we've already read in 44, but as we look down to 46 with the Jews and those who believe and those that reject it, and when we decided to follow Jesus, when we heard the gospel call, and maybe not straight away, we, or maybe it was, praise the Lord, but when we were also deciding, we were in that humbleness of yielding of the whole to the whole counsel of God's word, um, we were committing, surrendering to Him, and and so, how does Jesus change us? And we see the grave clothes here in verse forty-four. He wore strips of linen cloth, and I was just reading in the garments a 
couple of sermons by Pastor McConnell that I'd, that he has preached here. And like our Lord Jesus was wrapped in swaddling clothes, and that's a, a, a type of a death cloth, which we know he was born to die, and he was even... and. And it was like a bandage. And this is what Lazarus was wrapped in, that swaddling bandage. of, And we see it was bound. It was wrapped tightly, very tightly, around his former dead body there. And he was wrapped, as we see, from his head to his foot, his hands, everything covered. And that, and then Lord, well, the, John makes note of the napkin or like a sweat cloth that over his face that was, so he would not have been able to move or see. And did you notice, like there in verse thirty-eight, when Jesus cometh to the grave, it was a cave and a stone lay upon it. It's not like a stone that is rolled against it, like our Lord Jesus' tomb. It's like a cave with the stones on top. And so it wouldn't have been that easy for Lazarus to just... It would have been impossible. And so we see the Lord Jesus resurrecting Lazarus and lifting him up. And I just want to point out one thing because I was looking at this and I didn't write it in my notes and I'm going off my notes for a moment... That word stone, and it's, it's a type of our, the rock of our salvation, the Lord Jesus Christ, and, and lay upon it. Um, that lay is the word, it means rest. And upon means close by. And when we lift up Christ, because that take you away means, refers to lifting up. I looked it up in the Zodiac's Greek concordance. When we lift up Christ in our hearts, we can enter into his rest. And he is very near. Because that word upon it means it's right there. It's close proximity. I just thought that was interesting. So I'll go back to my notes. Take ye away the stone to lift up. And in 41, they took it away, which means to do that, they had to lift it up because that's the same word. And uh, the Son of Man, we know. See, there's a few references to being lifted up in the words here and also the Lord lifted up his eyes. And we know that the Son of Man very soon is going to be lifted up on the cross for our sins. And he's going to die for us and be buried and resurrected on the third day. And we... And as they lifted up this stone, which is Christ our rock of salvation, they were yielding in obedience in their hearts. This was a response because Martha had already questioned. We saw that last time and was um, having doubt. And, but he helped her, as we looked at that last message, to examine herself and what she her life in, in the Lord and what she believed, which she testified in 27. And then... They had faith in obedience. And the Lord Jesus can only display the power of God in our lives if we humbly, submissively lift him up in our hearts. So what we see is Lazarus is made alive and lifted up out of the grave 
and seated with Christ. Chapter 12, verse 2. And here we also, as we consider our spiritual seated in the heavenlies, as we read in Ephesians, what about verse 2 of 12? Then there they made him a supper, and Martha served. And who's there, sitting up with the Lord Jesus, seated? Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with him. A beautiful picture there of when we are raised in newness of life through being born again, we are seated with him in the heavenlies. And so when we believe we are lifted out of the graveyard of sin, and I just want to read John 5, just going back there, verse 24 in that comment, the Lord Jesus says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life, and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. Lifted out of the graveyard of sin, as Lazarus was set free from the grave clothes we just read there of death, so shall we be in Christ. And this takes me to Colossians 3, and I'll just read 1 to 4 as we have that thought of being set free. If ye be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. That's the heavenlies. Set your affection on things above and not things of the earth. For ye are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ who is our life shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Verse 5. Many believed and many records a supreme tragedy. Uh, Wearsby made that little comment and um, that John could not write at all. He could not write all, like all believed, because they didn't. It was only many. And so when you think of that, yes, it is a tragedy, even one soul. The evidence of the mighty power of God was before them. And we sing, I sing the mighty power of God. But like most today, they refused to believe and so verse 46, we see that word starting with but, and, and we see but, okay, and that just speaks of the ones who reject their betrayal, their hostility, their hardness of heart to those who refuse to believe. And, and instead of allowing the Lord Jesus to take their judgment of sin, death eternally, they heap unto themselves, as we know from Romans, more wrath against the day of wrath. They keep storing it up to bear it themselves of judgment that will be upon them. In verse 46, they went to stir the already boiling pot of hatred towards Jesus with the Pharisees. And we just see that stirring today in the hearts of uh, the world, especially towards Israel in that context, God's people that he is going to deal with and bring back to himself in his time, in his way after the church is gone. And but praise God for those who submitted, who have yielded, those here and today here that know and yielded their lives to Jesus and we saw a great change in Lazarus was used by God to bring many people to salvation, to life eternal. And as we see over the next page in John 12, this flows there into verse 9. And uh, much people of Jews, because we've got the 
Passover feast. This is the Passover feast where our Lord will be arrested and where he'll be put on the cross. This Much people of the Jews therefore knew that he was there and they came not for Jesus' sake only, but that they might see Lazarus also, whom he had raised from the dead. But the chief priests consulted that they might put Lazarus also to death, because that by reason of him many of the Jews went away and believed on Jesus. People desired to see him and believe Lazarus's changed life. It was before them, and it convinced many people that Jesus is the Son of God. Are we growing today in the Lord, we in the Lord, that we have this effect on the world around us in our witness? And um, again, just in one of the messages, uh, Pastor McConnell mentioned to me that there's actually no words recorded by Lazarus that he spoke any words in the Gospels. And it's true as far as I see. But it's not just our words, what we say. We don't have to be a good orator or an orator at all. Lazarus was able to, by his life and love for the Lord Jesus, his faith, and and then being used in this great miracle of God's power and glory just to change life as from a life of sin to a life of righteousness as we grow in the Lord, in that close relationship can have such an effect on many people. And I, just, I want to read an illustration, our last one, illustration of this last point of the power of the word of God a Roman Catholic priest in Belgium rebuked a young woman and her brother for reading that bad book pointing to the Bible Mr Priest she replied a little while ago my brother was an idler a gambler a drunkard and made such a noise in the house that no one could stay in it since he began to read the Bible he works with industry goes no longer to the tavern, no longer touches cards, brings home money to his poor old mother, and our life at home is quiet and delightful. How come it, Mr Priest, that a bad book produces such good fruits? May this miracle motivate us to let people hear the great things he has done for us through his son that they may inquire of that wonderful hope of salvation and read in the word of God themselves and be changed for his glory. To God be the glory. Let's close in prayer. Lord, we thank you for this message tonight. We thank you for our Saviour who intercedes for us at the right hand of God to help us and to, by the power of your Holy Spirit, give us understanding into your word and your will and your way in how we are to live and bring glory to you, Lord, through the people, through the spectators that watch us, Lord, where we are at in our places, Lord, of work, of school, of home, of neighbours, of acquaintances, Lord. And it is a great encouragement that we can pray and ask for your help Ask for your wisdom. Ask for your boldness, Lord. And ask for you to do a work in their hardened hearts, 
that the eyes of their spiritual hearts may be opened to the glorious truth of being able to have eternal life and not have to fear death, Lord. And we have such a wonderful saviour, a wonderful friend. And Father, we thank you for the love of Mary and Martha and Lazarus and how the Lord was able to use them in bringing many to glory. And we pray that the world will see the love that we have for one another, for you, and it will be used by you to bring many to glory. In Jesus' precious name.